This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Flashpoint. Flashpoint provide human powered analysis alongside technology to help businesses gain the upper hand in the battle against threats and adversaries. On this episode I talked to Flashpoint CEO Josh Lefkowitz about the value of contextual threat intelligence, uh, his company's approach to gathering and analyzing data and his mission to have his company be an extension of the security teams at major businesses at his clients. I want to urge you to check out Flashpoint Dash intel.com/library for more information on Flashpoint and its product lines. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh my guest this week is Josh Lefkowitz, CEO at Flashpoint. Flashpoint is in the business risk intelligence/threat intelligence space. How do you describe uh let's start there. How do you describe what Flashpoint is and what you do? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate the opportunity to chat. So what we do at Flashpoint is provide what we call business risk intelligence. So really recognizing that uh cyber threat intelligence or CTI uh is is heavily tactical. Uh it involves a, a feed of malicious indicators, IP addresses, hashes, URLs, domains that's really feeding into the SOC and the SIM. Uh, and when we stepped back and and really looked at what the true uh goal of intelligence is it's to empower better decision making and so we recognize that the data and intelligence that we're providing really has an opportunity to empower better decision making in a far broader uh lens particularly not only supporting cybersecurity and cyber threat intelligence teams but also supporting fraud teams, insider threat teams, physical and executive protection teams, third party risk teams, even folks looking at uh, M&A cyber due diligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we've we've seen that there's a real trend in the enterprise with fusion centers that are recognizing that historical swim lanes between uh, fraud and cyber, insider threat and physical for example are really uh anachronistic and the uh the the current trends are around taking uh those disparate swim lanes and uh and blending them together for a far more holistic and uh and synthesized approach to proactive and reactive threats. One of the things I I I keep running into um having tracked this threat intelligence space uh, for a while is that there's a big challenge just trying to understand these you know chaotic definitions of what threat intelligence is you know like you mentioned feeds and hashes and iocs companies are you know calling that data intelligence and in many respects that is not really intelligence uh, real threat intel comes with the context of that data and uh, and again i go back to you know a lot of cisos uh, mentioning to me that you know my problem with this uh, threat intel space is that i I can't be guaranteed full coverage of this deep deep web dark web that you guys are um are, are mining and monitoring. How do you uh how do you have those conversations with a CISO uh when he is worried about total visibility when such a thing may not even exist? So first of all, we take a step back and and really looking look at the team that we're talking about supporting. If it's the CTI or cyber threat intelligence team, they're going to be most concerned with relevant insights into uh a number of core uh, risk and threat areas whether it be new and emergent malware, uh, new and emergent exploits, uh new and emergent ddos methodologies, uh 
claims of compromised network access, uh, dumps of large uh, batches of compromised credentials. Um, if it's a physical security team, their definition of comprehensive coverage is going to be quite different. They're going to be zeroing in on extremists across the spectrum, whether it be uh, jihadists, whether it be right-wing extremists, whether it be left-wing extremists. And so when you, when you look at the question through that lens, it really comes down to the illicit communities that uh, you're focused on covering. And while the uh, intention is, of course, to uh, have uh, comprehensive coverage, the reality is that you really want to focus in on uh, the highest credibility threats that are most relevant to that particular organization. And at the end of the day, when you talk about uh, intelligence, you're spot on. It's about contextual intelligence. It's about relevant intelligence. It's about an actionable intelligence. And if you can apply those filters over data and intelligence, mapping to a particular organization's role, again, whether it's CTI, fraud, insider, physical, as well as the sector that they're in, that is going to really drive the value that they can derive from the from the solution that you're providing them. Right. And I imagine if I'm a CISO or I'm running a security program, I want my uh threat intel vendor or partner to be an extension of my security team or my security program. Do you find that that happens a lot? Do you have a lot of clients uh, almost using you as an extension of their uh, uh, security team? And can you provide some examples of how, how that will work? Absolutely. That's where we find that our, our uh, clients across the maturity spectrum are u- using us most impactfully, uh, where they're sharing their priorities, where they're sharing their gaps, where they're sharing their requirements, uh, often sharing us with us very sensitive and, and often multivariable problem sets where they're looking for our data and intelligence to help them make better decisions. And, and, so that's, and that helps drive the context. They're like the real key critical piece is that context of what is this threat? It, it, it affects my supply chain. It's very, very relevant to me. And that uh, uh, extension of the security team and sharing information back and forth helps to, uh, I, I imagine, helps to uh, raise the level of credibility for the context that you'll be providing. That's exactly right. That context is is absolutely imperative. And uh, to answer your question around specific examples, uh, it's everything from helping them uh, navigate sensitive situations where a threat actor has uh, gained access or claimed to gain access to sensitive uh, network access or sensitive data, uh, where they're considering an M&A transaction and they want to better understand the risk profile of that endeavor. Uh, it could be a third-party vendor that they're bringing into their technology stack and they want to understand how threat actors have exploited that technology, if at all, mm-hmm. uh, so that they have a better understanding of that risk calculus. It could be around a board meeting where their board and executives are traveling to an overseas venue and they want to understand uh, everything from the physical to the cyber risk landscape. Again, uh, one of the trends that we're seeing, and this is no surprise given how deeply embedded you are in this world, is uh, regardless of the size of budgets, companies are struggling to staff their teams with uh, a sufficiently robust skill set from the technical side, from the strategic side, from the communications and metrics side. And so we're able to, to really help them be that extension of their team to not only navigate those problem sets, 
but also package them in a digestible way so that they're able to communicate to their stakeholders both laterally and up and down the organization. And this stuff is really, really crucial because if, like you mentioned, if you're going into an acquisition discussion with someone, you want to know, you know, what their threat model is. Have they been owned before? Have they been compromised? Have they been dealing with a breach? What are the risks they introduced to my organization? That's the kind of background intelligence with context that you can provide, uh, you know, ahead of uh, M&A discussions or a board meeting where decisions are made. One question I have, though, is how mature do I have to be as an organization to be able to consume threat intelligence? Is there like a, a, a certain size profile? What's your sweet spot? And how can I, even in smaller organizations, let's say in startups where my threat model might uh, benefit from this information, how do I consume threat intelligence in a world where, you know, there's a skill shortage, like you mentioned. I, I mean, I may not have the, the the analysts on board to even uh, be able to parse and consume this data. Talk to me a little bit about the sweet spot and how maybe smaller, even medium-sized businesses can benefit from uh, using threat intelligence. Absolutely. So we definitely see an evolutionary journey with customers as they become more and more mature, uh, where they are realizing the benefits of. Uh, numerous and varied use cases for threat intelligence, but really at the foundational uh, left side of the maturity curve, what we see is an opportunity for organizations uh, to use threat intelligence, one, uh, in in a very tactical way. So whether it be monitoring for uh, exposed credentials, which can certainly expose them to network access risk and vulnerability, whether it be helping them prioritize the patching of vulnerabilities based on uh, exploitation chatter that we're seeing in the underground, uh, whether it's monitoring for keywords such as their executive names, whether it be sensitive technology that they're uh, using in in their core stack. Uh, Certainly, again, as they build out their teams, as they start to develop priority intelligence requirements, and, and that tends to be the domain of, of customers we see in the Fortune 2000. When you look beyond that to the Fortune 5000 and well, well uh, beyond that lens, there really is a, uh, a requirement to have that, uh, that baseline eyes and ears out in the underground of the internet to uh, help be their tripwire, to be uh, their eyes and ears out in the wilderness of the internet to help them understand uh, immediate and what can be far-reaching risks to their business. And you're not only uh, providing this uh, uh, data intelligence, uh, uh, business risk intelligence to CTI teams, uh, cyber threat intelligence teams that are looking for intel data sources, you know, access to this community, but, you know, there's also value in this threat intelligence for uh, uh, fraud teams within organizations. Uh, what are some of the needs from those uh Outside of the CTI teams, what are some of the needs from those additional teams that can benefit from this uh, that you can talk about, whether it's fraud team, the insider threat team, even even in some cases, physical security uh, teams can benefit from this. Can you talk a little bit about how you go about making sure you're providing value not only to the CTI folks, but other, other departments or other important parts of the security ecosystem uh, within your customer base? Absolutely. So we see uh, robust engagement from fraud teams who are uh, really at the front lines when cyber criminals are, are targeting their, uh, 
their systems and their customers. So in that case, amongst the, their top priorities are uh, account takeover or credential stuffing schemes. Uh, in the case of, of uh, point of sale, sale, sale malware, understanding the ramifications and, and innovations in that illicit actor space, uh, looking at social engineering and business email compromise schemes, looking at how credential thefts um, can have a ripple effect as, as far as uh, identity theft and, uh, and, and other uses for that critical data, uh, looking at compromised credit cards. Uh, and so what we see there is that you know, there needs to be deep access into the environments in which those schemes, in which those uh, economies are thriving. And those tend to be denied environments where you have uh, password prompts, where you have hyper-paranoid administrators, uh, where you don't have the benefit of being able to run a Google search and uh, peer into those uh, those communities where there are uh, no APIs or RSS feeds that you can tap into. And so our approach that blends that fusion of deep subject matter expertise with linguistic and slang uh, fluency with an understanding of the ins and outs of these illicit actor communities uh, has been hugely beneficial to fraud teams. And in a similar vein, on the insider threat front, what we see are a multitude of solicitations for insiders with privileged access to whether it be sensitive data or sensitive networks, uh, as well as malicious insiders who are trying to monetize uh, or find collaborators to help them leverage the access that they have to, uh, to data and systems. And so again, having Flashpoint be their eyes and ears out in the wilderness uh, to alert them to those t that type of nefarious and malicious activity uh, is hugely impactful. When you're monitoring this wilderness that you mentioned, uh, you know, this c criminal communities, uh, uh, cybercrime forums, these things are password protected. They're very, very closely guarded. You really have to infiltrate them. And your guys have, uh, you know, made noise in the industry around this infiltration of these cybercrime forums, dark web, deep web, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what I want to know from your standpoint is how much, how much of it is manual versus scanning, and and how do you figure out that combination to make sure you're because it, it it it's not something you can totally do manually. So I I imagine there's a, a, a spidering and and crawling of these dark webs to try to pinpoint trends and then put the manual guys on it. Uh, is that a challenge for you to really track all these uh, deep dark web forums uh, with a manual shortage, skill shortage? So you hit the nail on the head that it, it really requires that fusion of subject matter expertise. Our, our team speaks over 20 different languages from Russian to Mandarin, Farsi, Arabic, Turkish, Spanish, and well beyond. Uh, it not only knows the language in its uh, purest form, but also understands the intricacies of, of slang and the lingo of these particular uh, insular cyber criminal and illicit actor communities. But then from there, once you've gained access to these privileged and denied environments, it's about how you can uh, pair up that access with our uh, technology teams to automate and scale uh, persistent data collection in environments where doing so is extraordinarily challenging, where there are hyper-paranoid and dedicated virtual bouncers who are uh, working diligently to try and thwart that type of data collection at scale. Uh, as mentioned, this is the antithesis of, of surface web collection, where you can easily plug into API or, or RSS feeds and, and harvest that data with the uh, support and, uh, and, and consent of 
the administrators of these mm -hmm. sites, whether you're talking about social media sites, whether you're talking about blogs and news sites, et cetera. Uh, and so uh, by, by taking that approach that fuses the subject matter expert uh, with the technologist, that's the way that we've found is the most um, adaptive and most effective way to deal with these barriers to entries and, and challenges, not only in the forum space, but well beyond. The deep and dark web goes well beyond uh, deep web and dark web forums, but also marketplaces, chat services, uh, a variety of different ecosystems. And, uh, and that, that is the other piece, is that illicit actors are, are not static. They are constantly moving. It's constantly a game of cat and mouse where you need to have subject matter experts with their ear to the ground to understand what the next new uh, platform will be that they're moving to, to avoid security researchers, to avoid law enforcement. One of the things I wanted to get back to, because you mentioned it, is uh, you mentioned uh, providing intelligence on patching. Uh, help me understand how this is done. Let's just say there's this Apache struts, this newest Apache struts vulnerabilities out. People are, you know, ears are up about, uh, uh, you know, where an exploit might might appear. Is it in Metasploit yet? Is it just proof of concept exploit circling around? Uh, in in a case like this, when you say you provide intelligence to help people figure out vulnerability management and patching this uh, as, as a regular part of your communication with your security teams you're monitoring this uh, uh, noise around Apache struts and 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 as soon as you see something that uh, increases risk you're passing that along to your clients is that how it works or you're actually tied into vulner vulnerability management systems and actually helping with the patching so it's the former and, and it's a combination of one uh, being out in in these illicit actor communities across the uh, regional and threat actor spectrums to see uh, the, the velocity and, and volume of chatter that's taking place about a particular exploit or vulnerability. It's seeing whether POC code is being uh, shared in the underground, but we're also benefiting from the collaborative community that we've uh, developed uh, alongside our platform. So we have the benefit of our customers across more than 20 different verticals who are sharing with each other. Um, and that has proven to be enormously beneficial for uh, our customer base because uh, what is affecting one vertical often will quickly ripple and affect another. Um, so whether it was Petya, not Petya, whether it was WannaCry, whether it was Apache Struts, uh, we have the benefit not only of uh, our, our eyes and ears in the underground of the internet, but also uh, our customers across the globe in so many different sectors who do have those sensors out on their network, who are able to report back and, and share uh, with remarkable transparency uh, what they're seeing and what they're hearing. And so you really get that force multiplication effect. Uh, do you have, uh, you don't have an endpoint agent? We don't. And that's why that collaborative community is so hugely helpful. Uh, you come from a counterintelligence background, having worked at the FBI. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your thinking, uh, your career shift to this space? Uh, why, why threat intel? Um, and just a, a little bit about uh, the the challenge of building an organization in a very, very, very competitive space in a very, very uh, noisy, sometimes confusing space. Sure. So uh, my co-founders and I all grew up as intelligence analysts focused on the counterterrorism portfolio, specifically how terrorists were using the internet for fundraising, propaganda, recruitment, uh, 
and uh, and and movement into conflict zones. And so we really saw the the transformational impact that the internet, particularly deep web forums, in the early and mid two thousands were were having on the way that illicit actors in the jihadist space were uh, were operationalized. And uh, we also saw the impact that technology could have in really scaling visibility into relevant threats and risks that were emanating from these closed access communities. And so as the cybercrime uh, ecosystem began to develop and diversify, we saw an opportunity to take the methodologies for analytical, uh, for, for analysis as well as data gathering and really open the aperture and look at a wider set of illicit actors, malware developers, fraudsters, uh, hackers, exploit developers, et cetera. Uh, and we were fortunate to, uh, in the early days of our business, work with some of the largest global financials in the world uh, who provided us tremendously helpful feedback around gaps in their programs, opportunities to really help them make better decisions uh, around corners of the internet, again, that they were entirely blind to. Uh, and so that was, uh, you know, hugely helpful foundational insight that we gleaned from our earliest customers. Uh, and then from there, we had the benefit of, of hiring several of our early customers to come on uh, and, and join our team. Yeah, and, Chris, and Chris Kamash, uh, uh, someone I know was at Bank of America, I believe, before uh, joining there. Um, and you mentioned in the beginning, your sweet spot was in the fintech space. You've since uh, uh, moved beyond that, correct? That's right. So our, our earliest customers in the enterprise uh, were financial services organizations as well as uh, public sector entities. And uh, that has, has diversified materially, uh, working with, again, more than 20 different verticals um, and a global customer base. And uh, what we've seen is that this requirement for insight into illicit actor communities in the underground of the Internet uh, has, has really become a must-have for not only CTI teams, but as we've talked about, fraud teams, insider threat, physical and executive protection teams, and, and well beyond. Uh, and, and we've been uh, excited to see uh, the impact that we've had across our customer base to, to really help them in, in so many uh, myriad ways. So you get to see the what we call the armpit of the internet at Flashpoint. Um, what, what worries you the most? Um, you know, there's all kinds of uh, trends popping up around, especially the one that, you know, I keep hearing a lot of CISOs talking about is the supply chain issue when your your entire security posture is dependent on someone else's. Um, when you look around the armpit of the Internet, these dark, deep places where these bad people uh, linger, what worries you the most? What is, you know, something that keeps gnawing at you at night? You know, I think more most broadly, it, it's really the creativity and, and innovation and knowledge sharing that we see in the uh, in the illicit actor communities. Whether it's uh, you know, taking some of the NSA uh, exploits that were subsequently dumped into the public domain, whether it's looking at the evolution of the IoT DDoS space, of Mirai being one of the first uh, warning signs, and how that space continues to evolve. Uh, it's a it's a constant game of, uh, of cat and mouse, where they are uh, inevitably adapting and evolving, keeping pace with what the defenders are doing, uh, and sharing knowledge across these illicit actor communities. We, we frequently see illicit actors that are 
that are moving between uh, particular geographic communities, uh, sharing best practices, sharing contacts and Rolodexes. Uh, and, and so to that end, when you think about the way that uh, knowledge is, is spreading across the globe, uh, much as we saw the internet be the, the pipeline for the democratization of, of bomb-making knowledge in the jihadist space you know, 12, 15 years ago, uh, we're seeing so much knowledge being shared uh, across different communities at, at rapid pace. What, about five years ago, I went to Washington, D.C. talk, and I always wanted to ask this question. Uh, General Michael Hayden did a talk, and he... He described the threat landscape as a pyramid. And at the top of the pyramid, very peak of the pyramid at the top, is the nation state guys, the state sponsored attackers with the best tools, the best TTPs, and you, you know, the ones you should be most afraid of. In the middle of this pyramid, a larger group are cyber criminals, dark web guys, uh, 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 PII theft, and so on. At the bottom, he talked about a larger group that are just irritants, spam guys, botnet guys here and there. But what he warned about five years ago was that a lot of the tools and the TTPs from the nation state, state adversaries with big budgets and big resources are starting to filter down to the cybercrime community and then even filter down to this irritant grouping. Have you started to see that yet where uh, the things we previously thought was only capable of being done by uh, state-sponsored, fully-resourced, well-financed adversaries are started to filter down to these cybercrime groups in, um, in on these forums and in these marketplaces? Because that was his warning five years ago, is that we'll start to see that soon. And when we start to see that, it's going to be really difficult, almost impossible to defend against. And I'm curious if you're starting to see that filtering, where you're starting to see exploits, vulnerabilities, techniques, and so on, uh, that we originally thought was only being done by the bigger guys are now filtering down? Sorry, we're it's a long, complicated question. We're certainly seeing a, a robust uh, you know, a robust portfolio of, of knowledge sharing. And uh, particularly when you look at uh, the, 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 most, the more sophisticated, financially motivated cyber criminals, uh, they are operating with uh, a tremendous level of, of rigor and process and structure, uh, organizational discipline, uh, and using techniques that are highly sophisticated. But on the other hand, uh, many of the methodologies that they're using to complement that uh, continue to be rather vanilla. Uh, and, and so when you think about the spectrum of TTPs that are utilized for uh, the greatest impact, uh, oftentimes they're finding exposed RDP. Uh, oftentimes they're having success with, uh, you know, malware that wouldn't be characterized as overwhelmingly sophisticated. Uh, so I, it's important to not, uh, you know, to, to not magnify elements of what can often be uh, deeply damaging attack vectors that don't necessarily have that, uh, you know, tier one element of sophistication. If you look at the, uh, you know, the BEC damages that the FBI and U.S. government it's, have... It's provided. rudimentary phishing. In many cases, requiring people to click on macros, enable macros to, in Word. I mean, it's basic. Exactly. And, and you look at the dollar amount that the FBI is uh, assessing has, has resulted from those type of attack vectors, it's staggering. Uh, and, and it's important to not lose sight that basic internet and cybersecurity hygiene is <laughs> is a very powerful uh, complement to obviously having very robust uh, 
you know, defenses to, to, to mitigate some of the more sophisticated attack vectors. How do you see this entire industry shaking out? It's it, we're still in a nascent state of the uh, threat intel space. A lot of companies are being funded. A lot of people are taking different approaches to people. How do you, you know, visualize your industry in say three to four to five years? Um, do you see this as uh, a checkbox in every security department, like a pen test is? Uh, do you uh, do you anticipate uh, the threat intel industry maturing to a level where uh, you know a lot of these con- this confusion strips away? How do you see it evolving? So I think there'll be evolutions on on both sides, both on the solution provider side as well as on the uh, on the uh, buyer side. Uh, you know, even in the last two to three years, we've seen a remarkable evolution on the enterprise side as far as uh, the pace of uh, of the maturation. As mentioned, uh, you know, in, in our earlier days, this was this type of visibility and intelligence was really seen as exclusively do- the domain of financial services, and and now companies uh, across retail and telecom, legal, healthcare, uh, aviation, and so many more are recognizing that that this type of visibility and, and intelligence is just part of a, a BAU comprehensive. Uh, security stack that they need to have to proactively and reactively defend against an evolving threat landscape. Uh, and as you continue to see an exodus of talent out of government agencies and en- into the enterprise, uh, as well as more and more young folks getting into this uh, line of work, I think that will certainly supplement and accelerate the uh, the maturing of the enterprise. And then on the solution provider side, uh, I think you're inevitably going to have uh, a consolidation where uh, where you will see uh, the most successful companies uh, continue to thrive and grow, and then some of those that really have not nailed their product market fit uh, uh, will either die on the vine or, or be got get rolled up. Right. Exactly. Uh, what is next for you? Uh, what 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 would you see as the biggest challenge today? Is it just hiring uh, competent, talented people like? every security department is facing. Um, where do you see your own company's maturation headed? Yeah, absolutely. Certainly, we've been fortunate to build an incredible team here at Flashpoint, one that's that's widely regarded and respected in the industry for the incredible talent uh, that has come to call Flashpoint home. Uh, and we take that uh, that uh, responsibility extraordinarily seriously in terms of really building a culture that enables our team members here to, to grow and thrive and, and be challenged every day in, in what they do and, and feel fulfilled every day in what they do. Uh, for us, it's about continuing to, to build a great company where we have our ear to the ground to understand our, our customers' uh, most complex requirements and, and pain points and uh, see how we can continue to evolve to uh, continue to be an extension of their team. That's a a privilege and a responsibility that we take extraordinarily seriously. Uh, Just like the threat landscape is evolving constantly, the requirements are are evolving constantly. Uh, And so, you know, doing uh, a huge amount of listening around how their enterprise environment is evolving uh, as their global footprint evolves, as their lines of business evolve. uh, We want to, you know, we want to be right there with them. uh, and, And we're excited to continue doing that. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Josh. I think you've built a great company. I have a lot of very, very good friends working there. I'm rooting for them and I'm rooting for you. Um, Thanks for coming on the podcast and all the very best. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. It was terrific to chat with you. 
My thanks again to Flashpoint for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. As you know, Flashpoint provides human-powered analysis alongside technology to help businesses gain the upper hand in the battle against threats and adversaries. Check out flashpoint-intel.com/library for more information on Flashpoint and its product lines.